Another great episode of Red Sea Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Good morning. It's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. This is the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Bovey. Today, as always, we have a great show planned for you. In a few moments, we'll be speaking with Father Will Stratton, the pastor here at St. Mary's Catholic Center, where our studio is based. I want to remind everyone this show is pre-recorded, so we won't be able to take any calls. Before we get started, I want to welcome all our listeners here on KEDC 88.5 FM Hearn Bryan College Station. Also, our listeners on KYAR 98.3 FM in Lorena, Waco. And a shout out to all our listeners in Palestine on 107.9. Father Stratton, good morning. How are you? Doing great. I'm getting a little more rested after this weekend. Yes, I can imagine that there was probably a level of exhaustion after this weekend. It really was. It was a beautiful weekend, and as all kind of celebrations, there's meant to be a tiredness afterwards, right? So dedication weekend, we call it, from Friday all the way through the Masses on Sunday. So awesome weekend. Yes. Now, the reason we're talking with Father Will is because this weekend they dedicated their brand new sanctuary. The church is brand new. It is absolutely gorgeous, and we're going to speak a little bit about that. But before we do that, Father Will, I'm always interested when I talk to someone uh, in any religious uh, order or uh, clergy or something about their faith journey. How did God lead you to where you are right now? So give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I grew up in a little town by the name of, uh, well, West, which is a little north of Waco. So I know there's a lot of whist- listeners in the Waco area. So St. Martin and Tours Catholic Church was my home parish. My mom was from West. Dad was from Tours. Uh, grew up in that area. We went to church on Sundays at St. Martin's uh, there in, in Tours. And I became an altar servant when I was in second grade. Um, and then kind of met Mon- Monsignor Isidore Rudziki. I also came to know Father Ed Karasik, who was in West, and became great mentors to me. And so I enjoyed altar serving, and probably by the time I was in high school, kind of felt this call, this draw to the priesthood. And uh, graduated high school in 1996, came here to actually to St. Mary's, or came to, well, Texas A&M University, of course, and uh, got involved in the ministry here at St. Mary's. Um, Father Mike Sis at the time, Bishop Mike Sis now, was the pastor, and Father Dean Wilhelm, the associate, and then soon Bishop David Condell became the associate and uh, graduated in 2002. And again, through just that seed that had been planted, being watered and fertilized here while at St. Mary's, um, was able for me to say yes, to take that next step into the seminary. And so into the seminary after I graduated, was ordained in 2009 and then served at um, some different parishes and became pastor here um, in 2020. Now, how much influence did St. Mary's Catholic Center have on your faith life while you were in college? So I could say that this was home. 
um, would probably be the best way of saying it. Um, Bishop Mike says hired me in 1997 as a yard guy. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I moved the this spot where this building is sitting. The, the student center was built in 1998, so I started here as a freshman in 96. He hired me in the spring of 97, so I moved this spot a couple different times. Uh, then when this building was built, they had planned for two efficiency apartments to be in this building where someone would, you know, set up the tables, chairs, another would kind of take care of the grounds, set up tables, change light bulbs, all that kind of fun stuff. For 15 hours of work a week, you, you had free, free board. So I was one of the first um, students to live here. And uh, sometimes I say that <laughs> I fell out of school because of St. Mary's. Uh, so... <laughs> I was involved in, I think every night I had a different organization that I was part of and doing a daily mass most days, mass here on Sundays, uh, helping out in different ways as well. So definitely St. Mary's was a huge part of my life as a student. And I grew up a lot, grew up a whole lot. So just, uh, I had to take a year off of school. And again, I'd say that I probably, it was probably the best and worst year of my life in a sense, uh, a sense of failure, but then also just a sense of ownership and what does it mean to, you know, take responsibility and to be an adult. So I was able to get back into school and graduated in the summer of 2002. Um, so that was just a, a great accomplishment. Um, and again, too, in the midst of all that uh, discerning kind of along the way. And so some neat little conversations and moments of inspiration, definitely from Bishop, Bishop Mike and Bishop David during those times. Now, how much did having a personal relationship with Father, now Bishop Mike and uh, Bishop David, getting to know them as people, uh, how much influence do you think that had on your discernment? Yeah, it would. It was very powerful. So I guess just first the ministry of presence. So seeing both of them here present, seeing both of them engage with the students, uh, talking, sharing, listening, laughing, going out with us, uh, hanging out with us, um, definitely seeing both of them uh, also behind the scenes early in the morning, late at night, praying, working, um, kind of doing that behind the scenes uh, work. Definitely a father, so that father figure, uh, so spiritual fathers to us. So, you know, kind of picking up where mom and dad left off. Uh, so definitely in their homilies, definitely in the confessional, definitely in retreat ministry, um, just supporting us, teaching us, forming us, uh, definitely had a huge impact, huge impact on me. Now, being pastor now here at St. Mary's must, in a way, feel like coming full circle, starting out here and then becoming pastor. Uh, is there a sense of both deja vu and something totally new? Exactly. Uh, you know, so as I said, I graduated in 02, then I didn't mention this earlier, but I also came back as an associate from 2011 to 2013. And Bishop David at the time was a pastor. And then of course, coming back as pastor. The first time I came back, it was whenever I walked into the church, you know, you kind of see everything, smell everything, notice everything. I, I became very anxious because I felt as though I should be studying for a test. <laughs> and then it was kind of anxious to, or interesting to sit, you know, in the, uh, presider's chair. And it was like, wait a minute, I should be sitting out there. What am I, why am I sitting up here? Um, and then sometimes there are always those tendencies to, well, I need to change that light bulb. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm not doing that. Anymore. I'm not in that role anymore. Right. Um, 
but it was it was neat to also just remember how my fo- how my faith kind of grew and and came to again ma- you know a sense of a maturity and in kind of my own right um, and, and and to be back in that space where my faith journey uh, grew and matured and just remembering those friendships especially with Bishop Mike Bishop David with the staff at the time a lot of my friends so to be back in this space it was neat to again to just feel close to those to feel, um, to be able to be in that same space where, um, I came to my faith, came into my faith, um, was, was pretty powerful. And there was also then to just a sense of, um, wait a minute, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. This is where, you know, yeah, Bishop Davis is, this is where Bishop Mike says, this is where I'm not supposed to be doing this. Um, so there was also just a sense of, yeah, maybe fear, anxiousness or me, Lord, are you sure? You, you called me? I, I don't know if I belong here. Um, but it's, uh, I, I definitely has been a true gift um, to be back. I never thought that I would, would come back. And most of the time they don't send you back to parishes that you, your home parishes or parishes that you were formed in uh, for, you know, different reasons. But uh, yeah, it's been a huge gift to be able to be back. Now, one thing, when you are talking to young men here that are discerning a call, do you get a sense of excitement because you remember where you were when you were their age? I definitely do. Uh, it's just a very humbling. Well, I guess first off, it's a you can. It's neat when you're able to see how the Holy Spirit works, right? Um, and some things you just have to figure out, right? Sure, I'm pretty sure the two priests that I mentioned earlier, Father Ed Crossing, Father Isidore, where I was growing up, they probably saw certain things and maybe knew that I would be a priest. I'm pretty sure. Bishop David, Bishop Mike knew, saw certain things in me as well. But sometimes telling somebody that is can be the, the last thing to hear or the last thing you want to hear. Um, but also just, that, I guess, that balance between encouragement, um, answering those questions, giving them a chance to, you know, kind of let that seed, you know, grow a little bit and mature, um, but helping it helping it along. And so it's, it's fun to, yes, to listen to the guys. It's, it's fun to encourage them. It's fun to give them a few pointers and then, you know, let them go to their own prayer. Let the Holy Spirit kind of take the rest uh, or take the next, you know, continue the lead. Right. And so, yeah, it is a blessing because I remember a lot of those steps for me and how important it was to receive that encouragement, um, insight, um, I want to remind all our listeners that you're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. Our guest this morning is Father Will Stratton, the pastor here at St. Mary's Catholic Center. And changing tacks a little bit, the new church. Yes. Now, this has been in the planning stages for several years. And then, of course, there was COVID and all other things that fell into this. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about the process of planning for a project this big? Well, first off, um, there has to be a need, right? So anytime you do anything, you build anything, um, there should be a reason or a purpose behind it or, or a reason. And so definitely even since the 80s, 90s, uh, even into the 2000s, um, there always has been uh, a full church. Um, ministry has, has, uh, has been growing for a while here and has continued to grow. And so you know, you can only add so many masses on the weekends, um, and you see beautiful weddings, you see beautiful um, men and women stepping up, taking the next step into the vocations, uh, you see just a lot of faith-filled and spirit-filled students, 
um, desiring for a place. I remember when I was here as the associate, as I said, from 2011, 2013, from time to time, sitting with um, Bishop David in the rectory, and we, you know, we, we would watch and sometimes see people come into the church, realize how full it was, and then come back out and uh, and leave. And, and you know, I hope and pray that they came back to a later Mass, uh, but just this realization that there was a hunger, right? So hunger. People wanted to encounter the Lord. They wanted to go to Mass. Um, they felt drawn and connected. And so this realization that um, at some point we needed a, a bigger church. We needed a bigger space. And so that kind of began the vision that at some point in time a church um, would be built. The church would come to be able to house more students. So definitely as the university grew and more um, Catholics here and definitely more students here, um, designed to have a space for them to come and to have a seat and to be able to encounter the Lord and pray and grow in their relationship with him. One of the beautiful things about the need for the new church for me is the fact that we have a lot of large churches now that are built because the smaller churches have been closed and they're building larger churches. This is truly a need because people are coming in. You're getting so many people that want to be here that you needed that extra room. And that's really such a wonderful thing that you're having to build a huge church because the people keep flocking, not because you closed all the small churches, but because this is where they want to be. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not just because, I mean, the church that we have is a good church. It's it's not falling down or anything along those Mm -hmm. particular lines or consolidating, as you mentioned, but uh, definitely a desire um, to encounter encounter the Lord here at St. Mary's. Yes, there was a comment you made at the end of the dedication mass. I believe you were quoting Bishop uh, Condola about Texas A&M being that small university next to St. Mary's uh, Catholic Center. But there's, in joking, but there is some truth to this, because St. Mary's Catholic Center is now known around the world as being a phenomenal place for nurturing the faith in college students. It definitely is in in a beautiful phenomenon. I mean, of course, we have Catholic universities where there's this, you know, just a understanding that you're coming to school at this Catholic university with an opportunity to kind of grow in your own faith as you also grow intellectually in the, in the teachings and understandings of the world. But to have a Catholic ministry program at a public university um, where specifically people, yeah, sure, come for the sports, maybe come definitely to, for, for a intellectual growth in their own life and definitely for a career. Um, but to have a uh, Catholic program with this realization that I still need God in my life, right? And uh, I still desire to encounter him and know him. And, uh, you know, this idea that you come to A&M to, to kind of grow and to make a career and you come to St. Mary's to grow and to make a life, right? Um, so it is pretty awesome to have so many people here and probably the largest Catholic chemistry program on the public university um, in the United States. And uh, it's awesome to, and very humbling um, to see what the Holy Spirit has done, right? And so not necessarily can point, pinpoint one particular person, but I think an openness, um, the realization of the devotion to the students and their desire and uh, yeah, be able to provide a place where they can continue growing that faith. And so it's neat to see how it has grown. I would imagine there's sometimes that little prayer involved in, Lord, this is so wonderful, don't let me mess it up. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, it must be a great responsibility to know that, you know, there's this tradition 
here at St. Mary's and that you're here now to keep that going. Yeah, there is a beauty. Uh, and again, it's, I mean, you, you said it correctly. I mean, we definitely um, are open. I have to have an openness to God's will, to his plan, to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was very humbling, again, as I said, to come back here. There was part of me when I first came, I was having a conversation with a friend and gosh, you know, okay, well, how did Bishop Mike do it? Okay, how did Bishop David do it? Okay, how did Father Brian do it? You know, uh, and that realization that each of us have our own unique gifts and just an openness for the Holy Spirit to work in and through and speak through us. And so, yes, some parts of it were uh, just a lot of maybe fear and anxiousness of, gosh, you know, I got to keep this going. Um, But then also to just, again, humbling realization that, wait a minute, this isn't really any of my work. It's, it definitely is the Holy Spirit that is moving here and definitely the care of the Blessed Mother um, and her desire for um, all the students to know her son, Jesus Christ. And so there's part of it that uh, where you just kind of get out of the way <laughs> and let it go. And so trying to be that ministry presence and kind of pointing it in one direction and just, uh, again, open to what the Lord is doing and just to, yeah, just to notice that, that grace and that gift. Now, we talked a little bit about the need for the new church because of the influx of uh, students that want to come to mass here. But building a new church involves a lot of steps. One of those is the design of the church. Now, this, again, started years ago before you got here as pastor. So um, how much input did you have on the design or was most of it already in place? Yeah, great question, I. I sometimes jokingly, but I think truthfully would say that I was the third person or the third priest with the baton. So I think Bishop David had the the vision kind of getting things together in 2013, starting to kind of form the process of getting donors and beginning to look to see what the church could look like, some architectural designs. Then Father Brian came in 2016 and then at that point really um, solidified a lot of the donors and really did about maybe 70, 80% of, of the design work for the church. And then when I came in in 2020, most of uh, the church had been designed. So I kind of helped to pick out a few uh, stained glass images. You know, I kind of had the chance to make a, a you know few little changes, tweaks here and there. Um, but for the most part, it was um, it was all set up. So like I think I said on on Saturday, uh, Father Brian kind of raised all the money, and and then I got to spend all the money. So, <laughs> which is. A rather interesting uh, issue that, you know, you had this opportunity to really see this come to fruition. Uh, It's been planned for these years, and then you had the pleasure of being there when it's finally revealed. Yeah. Um, Now, one of the most fascinating art pieces, not in the church, on the church, is Our Lady of Victory. Uh, it is such a beautiful statue, and uh, when you all chose that statue, did you all know how bright it was going to be? <laughs> uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, so the image, so of course we're patroness of St. Mary's here at uh, at St. Mary's Catholic Center, and uh Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of Victory, kind of the the one and the same image of the Blessed Mother. And so the desire of Our Lady of Rosary, Our Lady of Victory, many times the statue of Our Lady of Victory is definitely holding the child Jesus. A lot of times she sometimes has a sword, sometimes she has a a rosary. 
And so we kind of desired, we we tweaked a little bit, definitely her holding this, her Jesus. She definitely has the crown there, our lady of victory. The, the battle has been won. Um, but instead of a sword or even holding a rosary, we kind of had this desire of her uh, right hand to be kind of out and inviting. So this, this kind of invitation like this church, this space, to come to know my son, um, I'm inviting you here and in, into this particular space. Um, so it was kind of neat to to be able to to form that image with the Blessed Mother as our mother, um, who's desiring for us to know her son and, and calling her children here to St. Mary's. Now, you know, there's all different kinds of finishes that you can put on a on a statue. And I guess in different conversations, there was a sense of, oh, yeah, sure, you could be bronze. Okay, it's going to, you know, patina turn green. Okay, well, we could have a polished bronze. All right, fine. You might have to go and clean it every five or six years. Okay, how much effort or time would that take? Or you, another option was to kind of gild it in gold and, you know, hopefully for a while you wouldn't have to go and clean or, or re-gild it and it would be bright and would draw a lot of a lot of intention. So that was not necessarily the plan at the beginning, but as time went, it was like we realized that that was probably a, a pretty good plan. Even the dome, I think, dome at one point was was meant to be more of a kind of a copper color or, or a bronze color to kind of match the statue. But then when we realized it was going to be gilded in gold, and we desired that contrast. So the color of the, the dome actually matches the, the, the tin that's on the top of the student center. And so anyway, kind of have that connection, but then the contrast with the statue of the Blessed Mother. And she's very bright during the day and also even at night. It's kind of neat to drive around town and to be able to see, see the statue. So, Yes, uh, I, I think it's one of these things that I find so wonderful, the fact that if you drive through College Station and you see the top of the church, you know it's a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. It's not just a cross. It's yeah. Our Lady. And you know it's a Catholic church. It's really, really wonderful. I want to remind our listeners again, you're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. My guest this morning is Father Will Stratton, the pastor here at St. Mary's Catholic Center. And we're talking about the new church here at St. Mary's and uh, the dedication mass um, from last Saturday. One last thing about the um, actually design of the church. Now, uh, we're in the Diocese of Austin. Uh, Bishop Vasquez is our bishop. How much input did he want to have on the church itself? Yeah, great question. Um, so Bishop Joe definitely has a had a desire for uh, the church to be a church, a church that was complete, a church that uh, looks like a church, um, and a church, yeah, that wasn't, yeah, distracting, um, but again, kind of gives that glory to God. And so Bishop Joe, he definitely allows, you know, you to come up with plans and to, and to present them. So uh, he definitely trusted our team, our building committee kind of went out, but he desired to, to see those. So every step of the way, we would present a plan to him. We would present the stained glass windows to him, the crucifix, but particularly the art, the statues. And so give him a chance to kind of give his input and his, his yeah, desires for the plans and for, for them, for what them to look like. So he was definitely part of the plan. Um, and mostly from, a, I don't want to say from outside looking in, he definitely didn't come to any of our meetings. Um, and, but he desired to also be part of that and kind of give his put in his, his desires. So, yeah, it was, I, I felt as though it was kind of like a, a kind of a father's care. So, and he also kind of had a certain eye and a certain decision that maybe 
we would miss or didn't necessarily see or catch. And so it was great to have that that input and that help from him. Yes, one of the things that I admire about Bishop uh, Vasquez is uh, he has a sense of the tradition of the church and a desire to see churches maintain that tradition. And that's certainly visible in this church mm-hmm. that it's the canopy over the uh, tabernacle. Yes. I, I don't remember the Latin word for it, uh, but you know that speaks to the tradition of the church, that reminder that there's something special here. Uh, did you have a chance to talk to the bishop about the end result and his impression of the f- finished church? So I had a chance to visit with him. So the first time he actually saw the church in person was a couple of months ago. And uh, to walk around in the church with him with just a sense of, wow, this is big. <laughs> wow, this is, is very beautiful. Um, you know, wow, uh, this, is, this is a lot. Um, so I think just definitely the size of it. Um, definitely also, you know, we had been using three, three particular words from the beginning, a sense of beauty, encounter, and tradition. And uh, I think he felt as though all three of those were met here in this church. So very beautiful space, an opportunity for people to encounter the Lord, and then an opportunity for, like you said, the tradition of the church um, continues uh, in this space. Um, now, moving forward to the actual dedication mass, Wonderful turnout, especially as far as bishops go. Yes. Now, uh, were you surprised at the response of the bishops wanting to be here for this? You know, yes and no. Um, Yes, I mean, majority of churches that are dedicated, it's usually just the the bishop of that diocese who dedicates the church. And there's usually not a lot of other bishops come in. But as, you know, I appreciated Bishop Joe saying in his his homily, um, so we have, of course, students here at Texas A&M University in Blinn who come in from all different parts of the state of Texas as in even the United States, right? So um, as much as they were under the care of Bishop Joe while they were here, definitely they came from other dioceses and their families live in other dioceses with other other bishops. So there also is this kind of a partnership um, that these are your, your in some sense, sheep, your, your, your flock that come here to study. And so you also have a a part in the ministry here at St. Mary's because your students whom you have formed in your diocese are now here. And, um, you know, you've entrusted in some sense us to continue to care for them and form them. And so it was neat to see a lot of them here, the realization that a lot of their, definitely, definitely their students are here. Also definitely to a lot of the benefactors for this project. Also were some uh, parishioners from their diocese as well. And also to, uh, it just as I spoke a little bit in that little talk afterwards about vocations. And so it's pretty awesome that young men come to study here. And then a lot of them go back. If they feel the call, they go back to their diocese um, to be priests. So a lot of those bishops have young men in their diocese who went to school here and were Aggies and have gone back to uh, serve as priests um, in the area in the diocese that they grew up in. Which brings me to the next question. We had a very nice turnout of priests participating in the mass of the dedication. And would you say that is a sign of the connection a lot of the priests in our diocese and in other dioceses have to St. Mary's Catholic Center? It definitely does. There was definitely a good number of the priests that were there who had gone to school here and graduated from here um, and, and gone into the seminary. There was also a good number of priests who had served here. 
um, whether they served as pastor or associate, maybe they were a transitional deacon or seminarian here, so coming back. Um, and then two, just a lot of the priests in the local area, also in the diocese, um, who have come to know of St. Mary's and just the beautiful ministry that is taking place here and desire to be part of the dedication. Now, in addition to uh, nine bishops and all the priests and deacons that were there, uh, the congregation was packed. And I'm assuming that you had way more requests for tickets than you were able to fit into the church. We definitely did. I mean, there was, uh, it, it, you know, this church, of course, is for the students, is a student center. Right. And so we desired for, you know, a lot of students to to be there and any student who wanted to be there to be able to be part of the dedication mass. We also realized there was a lot of people who donated to this church, right? So again, of course, it's also kind of interesting, right? Because usually most new churches that are built in a parish, it's the people of that parish who donate to build that church, right? And so here, of course, our students really don't have any money and our normal parishioners. And so the realization of being able to call upon former students, to be able to call upon parents of students, to be able to invite others who, again, have come to know the mission and the ministry here at St. Mary's to be able to support this. And so desiring for them also to be able to be part of the dedication mass. And then, of course, um, parishioners and former students, just others who kind of came to their faith here. Uh, we had just a lot of different people who really wanted to be part of the ministry, or excuse me, part of the dedication. And so there was a sense of, we kind of realized at some point in time, okay, let's really start focusing in on also masses on Sunday. So definitely, you know, dedication mass to dedicate the church. Definitely want to have students, donors, and some of our parishioners here. But then on Sunday, it's open attendance. Anybody can come uh, and just enjoy this beautiful space. And so we try to, to desire to Realizing everyone was, wasn't going to get into the dedication, but we wanted everyone to be able to participate in the dedication weekend. Now, one of the things, uh, I wasn't really going to touch on this in the interview, but the fundraising for the church, of course, um, I would think that it is reassuring that there were so many people that wanted to help donate to this cause because of their connection to St. Mary's. And so, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you wanted to be uh, cognizant of the fact that there were lots of people that donated to that and allowed them to take part in their dedication or at least in the weekend masses and so on. So I think it's always um, nice to be able to recognize the and appreciate people who want to help with a project this size. I mean, it really is. Just as I spoke earlier, you know, how does a project begin or, or how do you build a new church? I mean, there definitely has to be a need, right? And of course, before you build anything, there's the diocese that asks you to do a feasibility study, right? To go and talk to a subsection um, of the population to see, yeah, okay, do they recognize the mission? Do they recognize the need? Would they be open to making a gift? You know, how much kind of a projection of money would you be able to to raise? You know, how much, again, is there a, a desire? And others also see the need that you're you're projecting. And so it's, again, very, very humbling. Um, you know, one of my, my gifts is, is, is harmony. And so my strengths, and so I love when, yeah, everyone understands a mission when everybody's kind of together in a certain direction. 
And, and this project, again, from students to donors, to parents of students, to parishioners, to staff, the kind of the realization of the need of this, of this new church and uh, designed to give from their own resources to make those sacrifices to see this church be built. Um, for the continuation of our faith, definitely here at, you know, at A&M and at Blinn and the students, but then also knowing that these students are going to graduate here and then are going to go off to many other parishes and dioceses and places across the Texas, United States, and world. And so what a beautiful benefit. Um, what great fruit um, that will bear. Again, I want to remind everyone that uh, you're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. My guest this morning is Father Will Stratton, the pastor here at St. Mary's Catholic Center. And we're talking about the brand new church and the dedication mass. Uh, Touching on what you just uh, talked about, the students from here leaving here and going out basically all over the world and uh, the impact that in that way St. Mary's has not only on parishes in other areas of the world, but that Catholic influence that now goes out into their secular lives also. So what you're building here, in addition to a church building, is a true universal community almost. It definitely is. And I mean, of course, all of us, or many of us definitely here at College Station understand, you know, the just the unity, the connection, um, of an Aggie, right? Some people say if you, when you meet another Aggie, uh, it's not a stranger, it's a friend. You know, you know, you already have that connection in that in in place, and it's it's even neat to you know we speak about the Aggie Catholic family. So, and again, it's not like a, a subsection of the Catholic Church. We're all Catholic, um, but particularly encountered and grew in our faith while here in college, right? And um, again, just that spirit filledness that we speak of of. Of Aggies, we had one student say, you know, this the awesomeness and the spirit-filledness of of being an Aggie um, is is almost the same or even greater in that spirit of being able to be a Catholic here at St. Mary's here in College Station. And you know, we speak a lot about again vocations, which is awesome. And St. Mary's has been a great place, uh, a great seedbed for vocations. But sometimes we don't speak about it enough. But the awesome marriages that have also taking place here as well. So a lot of young men and women who, again, understand, I've come to understand what uh, God desired marriage to be, uh, man and woman, the sacrificial love. And so a lot of couples coming who are married here and having families and then desiring, again, the faith that they received here and being formed and going out and uh, desiring to to share that and pass it on to their their children. Um, And then to... You know, others who might be in Bible studies or the parishes that they that they go to and the people whom they work with. And so it's also been just very beautiful to kind of see that as well. This year, uh, there was last year, there was three freshman students who were, their fathers were all my roommates when I was a student here. And so just that generational ministry, it was, they kind of felt like in some sense, nieces or nephews of seeing them here going to church and me remembering, you know, their fathers and us hanging out, being college students, us coming here to St. Mary's, you know, us studying together, different things on those lines. And so it's just neat to see the fruit in that way um, uh, from a lot of these uh, awesome Catholic marriages. Going back to the actual ceremony of the dedication, uh, I was so impressed with the actual ceremony of how much did the liturgical office 
at the diocese help with the layout of this, or was it planned here at St. Mary's for the most part? Yeah, great question. So um, in the church, we have what we, I think, hopefully most of you wouldn't, would know this, but uh, some, some do, some don't. There's rites, so, so right, R-I-T-E, right? So there's like the baptismal rite, there's the marriage rite, there's the confirmation rite. And so whenever you celebrate a sacrament, anointing of the sick, right? And so you, usually there's a book to it that kind of walks you through what you're supposed to say, what you're supposed to do. And so there's actually a dedication rite as well. So there's this book and it kind of has different options and it kind of goes through the steps to dedicate a church, right? So, uh, you know, here at St. Mary's, we don't necessarily need the diocese that much in a help as far as baptisms or mass or, uh, you know, other rites in the, in the church that we normally do on a regular basis here. But we don't dedicate a church very often at all. I mean, this is the first one in 65 years, right? So the diocese definitely, the bishop, this is Bishop Joe's fifth church in the diocese to dedicate this year. So definitely he and his team understand the right of dedication. And so we appreciated um, their, their help. So Becca Splacey from the diocese in charge of the office of worship definitely was very helpful to our liturgists here, David Ojeda, also uh, Father Lehman Pham, who's actually from St. Joseph's and Bryan, uh, local vocation as well, who is the MC, the Master of Ceremonies for the Bishop, who has also helped the Bishop dedicate many churches, was also here with his team um, to help us in in dedicating dedicating this church. So it was a combined effort. Uh, David Ojeda, um, our liturgist here, did a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Also, uh, Mike Masichek and Becca Gerhardt in the choir, also to providing for uh, music and everything there. So it was definitely a, a, a team effort. Um, so they kind of had the embassies and in uh, the understanding of the right of a church. And then we were able to provide altar servers. It was our ministers, our choir members. And so it was kind of a joint effort, but we received a lot of direction from them. Yes. Well, the ceremony was absolutely beautiful. I wasn't expecting it to be almost three hours, but it was absolutely marvelous. And uh, I really enjoyed the fact that the lights were kept out uh, yeah. off until the altar was consecrated. Yeah. And that was a little reminder of sort of like uh, the vigil mass for Easter. Exactly. That sense that, you know, Jesus doesn't become present until the lights come on in the vigil. It's when the word of God is spoken. And so it's uh, really that sign that, you know, God is present here. Yes. And it was really a wonderful thing. Now, we've only got three and a half minutes left. So um, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about is your hope for the future of this church. Uh, now, I'm assuming the you're hoping that the masses aren't going to be standing room only from here on out. But... Um, a&M still growing. St. Mary's Catholic Center is going to keep growing. So uh, what is your hope for? Yeah, so the hope is, uh, or just to mention as far as the masses go, so we are recognizing our church, this new sanctuary is about twice the size of our old one. So that realization of the bigger space, we made a little bit of a tweak in our uh, mass times on the weekends. So we kind of went from seven masses to five masses. Uh, so one on Saturday and then four on, on Sunday. And definitely the hope is, uh, number one would be radical hospitality. So, uh, again, a desire, it's a church, looks like a church, people are going to notice it. We want people to be encountered when they come in and welcomed to you know, encounter the Lord in prayer, in the Mass, and definitely in their 
brother and student students, other students whom they see here as well, that they may be able to see and to find Christ in them. So that desire for just radical hospitality, to encounter Christ in the person who comes here. Number two is a, a desire for, uh, I sometimes say that here at St. Mary's, our we see as our mission, of course, is to form apostles of the church in the world and, and to really kind of pick up where mom and dad left off. So as students come here um, to continue to teach that faith, but also really importantly is, is the students have the chance to make their faith their own, right? So maybe before it was their youth minister's faith or it was their parents' faith or an older sibling's faith or, you know, somebody else who, you know, was a mentor to them. But here it's an opportunity for them to make the faith their own. So this is my faith, my relationship with the Lord. Sure, other people brought me to him, but I want to grow in this relationship with him. And so my hope is that the church would definitely would do that, to help to put Christ at the center of their life. Um, and not just while they're in college, but again, until one day they're with the Lord in heaven. And I think this new church is going to be a great benefit to reminding people of the glory of God just walking into it. And I think yeah. just walking into that church is going to be uplifting for everyone that enters there. And I think it'll be a great benefit to reminding young people as they go out on their own and explore their faith that there is so much beauty in the faith. And I think they're going to encounter this. Um, Father Will, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and talking about this. I realize you're going to be pretty exhausted after this weekend still. Yes, it'll take a little bit of time to uh, catch up on some sleep, but it's great. Classes start again three weeks from yesterday, so rest a little bit and then kind of get ready to welcome in the uh, Fighting Texas Aggie class of 2027, so it'll be great. Well, I uh, pray that going to be continuing a great success here. I want to remind all our listeners that part two of the show is going to come up after our break here, and uh, it will be live, so uh, stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back in just a few seconds. 